What up, doe? You are tuning in to The Green Vaccine, providing sun salutations for all you fun pals of the nation. I'm your host, Dan Finn, and we were just blasting off to a whole new galaxy with some juking out, bazooking, insane to the membrane drum and bass provided by our resident DJ, DJ Kilikev. 
We are on episode 10, ladies and gentlemen, and that is quite the milestone. And we are topping off with a very slightly controversial, thought-provoking episode for you all. So open your ears, open your minds, or else you're going to have to rewind. All right. Sugarcane is a water-intensive crop that remains in the soil all year long as one of the world's thirstiest crops. Sugarcane has a significant impact on many environmentally sensitive regions. About half of all sugar in the U.S. comes from sugar beets, and the other half comes from sugar cane. Now, for the first time, sugar traders are treating these as two different commodities with two different prices. It's all because about eight years ago, nearly all the farmers who grow sugar beets in the United States decided to start growing genetically modified versions of their crop. The GMO beets, which can tolerate the weed killer glyphosate, otherwise known as Roundup, made it easier for them to get rid of weeds. It was stronger than old herbicides, and Roundup doesn't beat up the sugar beets, so their leaves grow a canopy faster, which prevents further weed growth and means fewer herbicide applications. This uh, brings it down to fewer passes of herbicide over the field. Uh, it it uh, leaves it to be uh, saving fuel because you are now not wearing and tearing with machinery. And also it demands less labor. So it also will decrease the carbon footprint using Roundup and using GMO products. I know in our previous episode, we talked about Monsanto and Bayer, a GMO, Monsanto, a GMO uh, producing company, and Bayer, a... Uh, the, the producer of Roundup, the herbicide, and uh, spoke negatively uh, of it, had a negative narrative. But looking into this story, we need to learn to keep ourselves open-minded to these controversies and realize that uh, these activism movements may not be in, entirely in tune with what is best for the people and for the planet. Uh, we have more. Uh, you know, with with this information about how uh, using GMOs and using the herbicide, uh, bringing down the carbon footprint and emissions, it seems like GMO sugar beets would be a positive move for farmers and the environment. But over the last decade, there has been a rise in anti-GMO hysteria. It has been fueled by misinformation from the internet, low-quality, one-off scientific reports, and multi-billion dollar industries that thrive when conventional agricultural solutions can be cast as questionable or dangerous. Consumers are easy to scare, and the demands of a vocal minority have uh, resonated with food producers producers that now seek to source non-GMO ingredients for their products, such as Hershey, the Hershey company. Have you heard of it? It is transitioning to all non-GMO ingredients, meaning that they will use sugar cane over sugar, uh, cane sugar over beet sugar, because there is no GMO of uh, sugar cane. The empty calories of sugar-saturated candy now can be consumed without concern for what plant produced the sucrose. Sugarcane sugar is chemically identical to sugar beet sugar, so this concern and controversy is 
uh, quite asinine. The demand for non-GMO sugar has driven up the price of cane sugar and decreased the interest in GMO sugar beets. To cash in on that momentum, some sugar beet growers may soon gravitate to non-GMO varieties that require use of chemicals that lack glyphosate's health and environmental safety profile, including a cocktail of many herbicides that must be applied frequently and in perfect conditions. The alternative weed control controllers carry significantly more potential health risks to workers and potential environmental impacts. In this blazing case of backward thinking, consumers are demanding the worst choice for farmers in the environment. Technology was installed in GMO sugar beets to produce the same end product in a different time of year, in a different part of the country. They did so without voluminous black clouds of smoke, costly hand labor, or the use of old-school herbicides. This was an advance in science that enhanced worker safety and environmental stewardship from other practices. It is another reminder. It, this is a reminder that stand, uh, standing against genetic engineering is oftentimes standing against the best options for the people and the planet. The sugarcane and sugar beet each produce the same final product. It is truly troubling that companies are being coerced into costly decisions that have no effect on what the consumer eats, other than raising its costs and producing it with greater environmental impact. It is what happens when we turn a blind eye to science and accept marketing scams and activist campaigns over sound decisions made from evidence. In the past two years, Many food companies have decided to label their products as non-GMO. And because practically all sugar beets in the, G in the U.S. are now genetically modified, those food products are now using sugar derived from sugar cane grown in Florida, Louisiana, or even outside the U.S. The result has been a remarkable change in the American sugar market. Slowly but consistently, a gap has opened up between the price of sugar from cane and sugar from beets. The current price for beet sugar is about 3 to 5% cents below the price for cane sugar on the spot market, says Michael McConnell, an economist with the U.S. Department of Agricultural's Economic Research Service. It means that buyers are paying 10 to 15 percent more for cane sugar. The amount of beet sugar looking for buyers has been increasing while there's a shortage of cane sugar. That shortage is bad enough that sugar users, such as candy companies like Hershey, are asking the USDA to allow more imports of cane sugar to ease the shortage. So, in South America, in the countryside of Sao Paulo state of Brazil, over 10 million honeybees were killed in a matter of days by airborne spread pesticides. The pesticides were sprayed over several properties of the region, many cultivating honey. In a matter of days, 136 beehives were destroyed, ending four decades of work. Not even the queen bees managed to survive, says Wanderly Farden, owner of the hives. The ground is littered with dead bees. Those that are left are flying about with nowhere to go. Fardin, the farmer, informs that he owned nine apiaries on the lands which received the spray and says that pesticides caused the death of the bees, an event which he filmed. According to the people responsible, the pesticides were used to kill insects, affecting the planting of sugar cane fields in the area. The mass death of bees, which according to the owner occurred after several days of spraying, generated a loss of about one ton of honey a year reaching a total of uh, 200,000 uh, Brazilian monetary currency in financial losses. It's an R, so I know it's not 
rupees or rubles. I excuse me. So commentary, guys. They so this says devastating effects. This kind of hysteria that people have, they you know, we go from one issue to the next and not try to think of the consequences of how this all connects and comes together. People are saying save the bees, but then people are saying no GMOs. Well, you can't have one with the other. Uh, this is a chain reaction that is showing to be uh, devastating for the balance and ecosystem of the planet. So in this, in this era of misinformation, don't give in to all the hype and the stereotypes that you see. I myself am waking up to the duality that exists in our reality. We can cloud ourselves in these echo chambers and feel so righteous with our virtues of wanting to live in a, in a world of purity, but that's not grounded in reality. We need to actually spend more time to look into the depth of these issues and to realize the balance of advances and compromises that we must make, but also realize that the vilifying of certain industries is for naught because the advancement of certain industries are for the greater good. And so we need to be careful of, with closing off our minds to what we think is wrong and what we think is right. Otherwise, we may not live with the same commodity and privileges that we hold so dear to us. Okay, so we're going to go back to this music. It's bumping, so start grinding, start binding. Just check out this timing. DJ Killer Kev, take it away.
train making its last gains. Some, some beat, huh? An article on thefizz.org is crying about how petrol taxes are dropping globally despite climate change. Taking the uh, average taxes on petrol in 157 nations, saying it fell 13% from 2003 to 2015 uh, as people are all working towards climate change with the Paris agreements and saying that we're moving in the wrong direction. Why are we uh, dropping taxes for petrol? It's incentivizing for more use of it. And so this organization that is behind this article or the organizations affiliated with the writer of this article are calling for more of a carbon tax or more petrol tax, just harsher taxes on oil, coal, and gas energies to de-incentivize its use. And to that I say, please be quiet, because I'm paying for it then. And that means all of my other working class, lower middle class, impoverished people, we are laden with the general burden of that. The cost of living for us will go up. The prices for our goods will go up with that tax. You're not de-incentivizing an energy transfer. You are just de-incentivizing the working people. And... So also, just to counter the perspective of the writer of this article who's saying, you know, all these countries are dropping petrol gas taxes. Well, I can tell you right now, Michigan, just this month uh, in 2017, just raised our gas tax and also raised the registration for vehicles by 20%. And uh, I just paid for it, actually. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, you know, it's quite a bit. And the newer the car is, the higher the registration fee is. And as the car gets older, it it begins to go down. And it's this idea of how you're paying for the wear and tear on the roads by registering in that state. So it's to try and maintain the idea of infrastructure. And so that, that was the whole incentive or that was the whole reason why Snyder signed for a 20% increase on uh, registration, vehicle registration, and he also raised uh, gas tax, which in turn is raising gases, gas prices. Uh, other states in the United States are Pennsylvania and New Jersey. New Jersey used to have uh, one of the lowest gas prices, one of the lowest gas taxes in the Union, and people would come all over the New, Ling- New England region to fill up on their gas, especially from New York. And now that's no longer a feasible option for these people. You know, people are no longer coming into New Jersey, which is now hurting that state because people would come in for the gas and then they would possibly go in for additional commerce. And so they came all the way for the lower gas prices. Now New Jersey's up to having some of the most expensive gas prices with gas, gas tax, uh, with the gas tax they included. Uh, Pennsylvania also went up a, a significant amount. And... So to come back to locally, uh, the plight that I can speak most passionately about is Michigan. And the thing that upsets me about that is uh, it's replacing a budget for the roads. A state budget of money allocated for the roads is about half a billion dollars. Uh, This new tax increase and the registration increase is all going to replacing this allocated budget of half a billion dollars. They are projecting that the revenue from this tax is going to uh, rake in $1.6 billion 
dollars, I believe, something around there, or maybe it's one point two, but it's over twice the amount of the original uh, allocated fund, and it is not adding or contributing to this allocated fund. It is replacing it, and so I'm thinking, well, where was that money before? You know, Michigan has some of the worst roads around, and yet I think there's just a lot of mismanagement and bureaucracy, and now you're just you're, you're removing this this allocated money that was for infrastructure i don't know what you're going to do with it now and you're now replacing this with a um in your opinion in the governor's opinion in the legislation's opinion a justified tax increase for the working class people in michigan for the general people in michigan and we are hurt with one of the most uh unrecovered economies uh we used to be a very powerful economy and now we are we are uh, small marginalized in that stature and I don't think a, a gas tax is really going to help our our compatriots to be in that affordable posi- po- affordable position in our capitalist society to make our own financial initiatives and incentives to move to renewable energy. You know, you're you're, you're taxing the people, and now the people don't have that extra cash to throw down for a solar panel um, roof installation. You know, if you continue to tax the people, no one's going to pick up a green uh, thumb and begin to take care of the environment. They're going to be too laden with their own financial grief and disparity to be empathetic for the the well-being of the planet or the environment. And then you're leaving all these decisions to the bureaucrats of our government and the oligarchs of our corporate system. And I don't really trust them that much. I'd rather leave it to the people to move together as a community and as a movement. And I don't think, as this fizz.org person is trying to say, we should implement more carbon taxes. I know Canada is going through that controversy right now. There's a lot of people in Canada who do not want a carbon tax. I don't think carbon tax is really the way to go to try and uh, limit or bring down uh, global emissions. I think there are other ways to do it. I think anything tax-related for a general idea of carbon or petrol or gas or whatever you want to call it, you're still hurting the people you're punishing the people for uh mis mismanaged uh policy for for decades prior and you're just trying to uh throw more of that financial burden from your own ineptness to the the collective public that's taxation without representation something along those lines i'm pretty upset about it so That's enough of my rant. Thank you so much for tuning in for our 10th episode of The Green Vaccine. My name is Dan Finn, and we're going to take it back to DJ Killer Kev. That was The Green Vaccine.